Come one, come all. I'm Jenny Guy, your on-air host. One word, three letters. That's all it takes to make content creators cheer or cringe. That's right. We were talking about SEO, as we often are, back during the summer of live 2019 when we first taped this episode. Search engine optimization is the foundation of a good content strategy, and I had two experts who just so happened to be as entertaining as they are brilliant. Joshua Unseth is a marketing guru and the host of the SEO podcast, Theory of Content, and Morgan McBride is a content creator at Charleston Crafted and a testament to the power of SEO. We've got all their digital homes linked up in the show notes, so please make sure to connect with Morgan and Josh. We've also got a boatload of SEO resources on the Mediavine blog, including the series SEO Like a CEO, which is a comprehensive and free guide. If you want additional tips and tricks, tune into our live series, Summer of Live or Teal Talk. You can get to both of those by you can get on both of those by following Mediavine on Facebook. But for now, once more into the breach, dear friends. You're listening to Media Vine On Air, the podcast about the business of content creation, from SEO to ads and social media to time management. If it's about helping content creators build sustainable businesses, we are talking about it here. I'm your On Air host, Media Vine's Jenny Guy. Hello, everyone. Welcome. It's hard to believe, but it is Thursday already. You're almost through the week. I'm Jenny Guy. I'm the marketing manager for Mediavine. We provide full service ad management for content creators. We are talking about the topic to end all topics for anyone looking to earn in the digital space. There's one acronym to rule them all, SEO, search engine optimization. Whether you're filled immediately with excitement or dread, the word SEO gives every influencer all the feels. I've got two amazing guests here that are going to drop all their knowledge on you and make you an SEO ninja in no time. I'm going to start introducing them now. I'm so grateful that they're here. First, Morgan McBride is a Mediavine publisher with Charleston Crafted, where she and her husband, Sean, blog about crafting their dream home in Charleston, South Carolina. They've been blogging since 2012, but often felt like their traffic was falling into that big black hole of the internet never to be seen or heard from again. After joining Mediavine in August of 2018, Morgan dove headfirst into learning about SEO strategy. She has more than tripled Charleston Craft's organic search traffic in less than a year, and it continues to grow. She also recently launched her simple SEO keyword research course that helps bloggers pick the best keywords to target for SEO sources. We will talk about that a little bit more later. And one of her primary resources that she uses for SEO education is co-hosted by my next guest, who I will introduce here in one second. Morgan, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this for weeks. I'm excited to be here. Yay, we're so happy. <laughs> I've, been, I've been looking forward to it too. My next guest, is the co-host and co-creator of the Theory of Content podcast. He's also an SEO expert from way back in the day. In fact, he started his career as an SEO consultant for hire and is now the director of marketing for Alarm Grid. He has worked to optimize the sites for numerous brands, including Dollar Days, Brasmith, I have questions, we'll address that later, uh, TuneCore, Greensbury Meats, ING Direct, Unilever's Making Life Better Properties, Tonight in RI, and more. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Hello. I'm not even on the podcast. Hello, Josh, Hello. how are you? You know, it's funny to hear uh, all the names of those uh, projects because I haven't, I haven't worked on in, in many of those for, I don't know, 10 years now, I think. It's very, I got to update my resume 
Um, but it's, it's funny because, you know, those back in the day felt like really big deals. And now may, maybe many of those stuff, those brands aren't even around. It's interesting. Um, I, I do have a lot of questions about Bra Smith, and yeah. I did take your bio directly from LinkedIn. Yeah, I so should probably update that. You might want to update that. There, oh, yeah. So, Bra, Bra, Smith, Bra Smith was a, a website that sold bras. Uh, I assume that that was probably for, for more uh, bosomy people. Good, to, good, and I, <laughs> I'm sure there was so much keyword uh, research that you did, and I there was, I, and there was, it was the weirdest, it was the weirdest project I was ever on because I would spend my entire day on a website of women in bras, and it was very, very different than any of the other projects. But yeah, so that does that answer your questions? It does. And yeah, okay. Well, all the questions <laughs> that I'm going to ask now or that anyone might want to know about on our suitable for work uh, show. Yeah. So moving forward, <laughs> thank you both for being here. If you guys have questions, SEO questions, site specific, general, whatever you've got, put them in the comments. I'll make sure that I ask both Morgan and Josh and we'll get you the answers. But let's start at the very beginning here with my, my series of questions, which is a very good place to start. What is your relationship to SEO? Where did you gain your expertise and why did you start decide it was important to invest time into it? And I'm going to go ahead and start with Josh there. Okay. So in college, I actually started playing uh, with internet stuff. I, I was in college when Google IPO'd and had a fascination with how it is that people get traffic to their websites. Uh, so I started with a couple of things. I was actually playing with uh, one of those uh, conservative news, college conservative news websites, and a Christian magazine website uh, that I, I basically got to you, you throw WordPress up and and like practice on. And uh, that was kind of the first the first two websites that I got to play with. And then after college, I started applying. I really enjoyed it. I was reading every SEO thing. I'd made all of the SEO mistakes I could possibly do. I destroyed traffic on both sites multiple times. I had been reading tons and tons of resources, whether it was Moz or SEMrush. All of these tools and resources were pretty much uh, around even then. And I, I remember I applied to a number of jobs, including MSNBC, where I was nearly... Uh, given a job as a producer, but instead I got a job as a, a marketer in an agency uh, called the Jar Group in New York, where I got to work on projects uh, for a lot of like corporate entities, doing uh, sort of the understudy uh, with a guy named Matt Lurkey, who is a great S was a great SEO. I don't think that he's doing SEO anymore, but he sort of showed me the ropes, brought me in. A he was a former big agency. The Jar Group was a small agency. He was a big agency guy. I was actually surrounded by big agency people in the small agency. Uh, they'd actually left to start sort of a boutique firm. And I learned everything I could possibly learn about SEO there and uh, went on to do my own thing here at Alarm Grid. Uh, I've been doing that now. Probably, I've been doing SEO stuff now for the better part of about 11 years. We'll we'll accept those qualifications, and then right after we get off, you're gonna go you're gonna jog straight over to your LinkedIn and update with some of that information because yeah, that was pretty fascinating, that. Josh, and <laughs> not at all reflected on your LinkedIn. Uh, so we've got people that are very very. We're gonna uh, take Morgan here in a second. Everyone is shocked to see you um, that are, that are listeners to the theory of content, which is precisely the response that Morgan had when she came on. Well, it, here's the thing. I'm norm I'm actually a spirit. And uh, when oh. I get on video, I occasionally will put on my body. Yeah, this is this is Thank me. You. And this is the form I took today. Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> we appreciate it. We, we, it's, it's much appreciated. For, so we're hearing, um, Kelly said, so great to see Josh. I've listened to the podcast for so long. Now, Amber says the website is going to be updated and you'll be able to see his furry face more often. Jennifer Osborne never pictured you with a beard. In her head, you're clean shaven and much lighter haired, but she said you're fine. So no, thank you. Your was face that like, is was that like fine? You're, you're fine or was it like, you're fine? <laughs> I mean, I think you should just infer what you want from that. Jennifer, Jennifer, you don't need to clarify. We're all just making our own assumptions in our brains right now. Okay, Morgan, tell us about your SEO experience, how you got into this. Like you said, just got with Mediavine one year ago, and I actually hooked up with Mediavine at Haven Conference. In uh, It was in Charleston last year. It's a DIY blogger conference. The year before, I met Heather from Mediavine, but someone from another ad agency will say, sounds like schmad schmive told me not to sign with Mediavine, just wait until I qualified for them, which was a big mm -hmm. mistake. He said I would make no right. money. Here I am oh. making money. So yeah. uh, pants on fire. Here I am with Mediavine. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I signed with Mediavine, I got into the Facebook group. And that's where all these wonderful people are talking about SEO. It had never occurred to me before. We had been blogging since 2012. Yeah. We had so much content. And it was all just falling into a black cliff. You would post on Facebook and my mom would click on it. You know, you put it on Pinterest and maybe somebody would see it. But all this content was just falling into Never Never Land. So I really got excited about the idea of giving things more of an evergreen life and writing content with a purpose, which is what has really transformed our blog. And SEO has... SEO and Mediavine has changed my life. In October, I had a baby and I went on maternity leave and it was unpaid maternity leave, of course, but I was able to take it because of these Mediavine earnings. Then I didn't want to go back to work. Of course, you get 12 weeks off, you have a baby, you get attached. I didn't want to go back. <laughs> Which is good. It's a good thing that you got attached. It was, glad surprising. To hear that. it was surprising. But my husband said, if you can get your passive income, Mediavine money to equal what you were making at work, after daycare costs, you can quit your job. And that was when I jumped into SEO. I said, Facebook is not doing it for me. Instagram is great, but that's not making me any money. SEO is how I can make money. And dang, it worked. So here I am. I'm a stay-at-home mom slash blogger now, and I am so happy. It has changed my life. So I am selling the praises of SEO. SEO for life. <laughs> All right, that is a, a very awesome testimony. And you honestly, like, in one year, tripled your traffic. That's it's, that's it's honestly more than that. But I was looking wow. at it today. It's I mean the graph. It's hard to say how much is attributable to what, but it's great. Morgan, how often do you blog? We used to blog five times a week. Then we went down to four, and now we are doing three. And we have much more success with three really good, researched, strategic, planned posts than we did with five. Kind of like just trying to fill out a week. Yeah, I think that that I think that that's pretty typical. I mean, I, I don't think that five doing five is typical. I think that's atypical. So I commend I did you for that, that for five years. For five yeah. years, so we have so much content. Five for five. You, so okay. So this actually fits in with a lot of our our questions from our readers. I've got we had quite a few pop in all at once. Let me look here. Okay, Deborah Cruz asked, should we be updating old posts? Which is an actually a great question when we're talking about the eight hundred thousand posts that you guys have on Charleston <laughs> Crafted. Morgan, yeah. do you update all of your old content? Not all of it. A lot okay. of it, like. This is funny. We found a post today. My husband was looking for something that was about what he had for dinner at Taco Bell one night. And he listed out everything. <laughs> He's going to hate that I said that. So we did not update that one. Believe it or you not. You didn't want to update with the new. Do you know that they just opened a Taco Bell hotel in Palm Springs, California? That's a thing. You're in for a short time though, right? 
I think they're like opening it for a short time, or is that like permanent? I really, oh. I, I didn't read about the permanency of it. I only read of its existence, and that yeah. was enough for me to just click close on that on that article. <laughs> I uh, love Taco Bell. I'm. We'll leave we it there. Too, we'll leave it right yeah. there. Yeah, we were, we're writing blogs. Morgan and I, we're, we're on the Taco Bell train. Yeah. That, I, I, thought you were gonna, I thought you were going to tell a story about how you'd updated the Taco Bell post and it like inured to you 10 million new page views. No, I, I think uh, it would take an act of God for that one to rank. So that one is gone. What did I you, mean, how did you decide what you were going to update? Yeah. So the first that. thing we did was just think of what were good projects that we did that we wish got more eyeballs that we thought were worthy of more eyeballs. And that was a good way to just kind of make a list. And then the other thing is um, we just do I dove into search console and saw what was ranking and what Google was already giving us some authority on. And that was where I really developed things that I thought could move up things that were maybe on the second or third page that was better than starting, you know, ranking where you're number 3000, <laughs> something where you're number 30 is a lot easier to get move up the list. So somebody, I'm going to jump in here and then I'm going to ask Josh uh, about his theory with updating old content and how he strategically does that. But someone with the last name of yours, Morgan, it's, it's Sean McBride. You might know that person. Yeah, he's upstairs with the baby. Yeah, He uh, is is defending the Taco Bell. Uh, he's and saying that Taco post. Bell was amazing, but the post was terrible. Not the post. So we're glad we're drawing a line between the quality of the food and the quality of the content. Thank you. Separate content from food. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good line to draw. Uh, so Josh, talk about updating old posts because that's something a lot of people I don't know that they have as a part of their content creation strategy and I think that it's something that gets overlooked yeah I mean it depends I think on where you are in the life cycle of your blog as to what you want to do I mean like it sounds to me like doing I mean I, I like hearing someone say when we started we were doing five posts a week and the reason is is because the biggest barrier to entry I think in blogging or any sort of business in this world of the interwebs is that nobody makes content nobody no one wants to do it. So if you're making more content than everybody else, kudos to you. And then uh, if what you try is you're like, you know what, we're making five posts a week. What we're going to do is we're going to scale it back a little bit and try three strategic posts a week. You're still, I think that most bloggers are doing one post a week. You're doing three times more than anybody else. And the beauty of that is if you did that for three, would you say three years? Five yeah. years of five, five years? a year of that's four. Insane. That's insane. Think about it this way. You did 365, you did 300 or 52 weeks a year, uh, you know, 365 days, whatever. So 52, how many, how many posts is that? 52 times five. I don't do math on air. A lot. I, a lot of posts. Uh, let's say 260 use, posts a year. To use a word that we were talking about before, that is a, a shit of shoot ton. <laughs> a shoot ton of posts. So it's like you have, you have a base post, a base blog layer of like 900 ish posts that you've put together over right. the years. You know what that does is it gives you an amazing set of ranked pages that people have searched. Now, not all of them are number one. Not all of them are number two. Not all of them are on the first page. Some of them are on the 10th page. But you know what you can do with that is you can go to Google Webmaster Tools. You can start looking at the keywords that you're ranking for, and you can start making more strategic decisions about what you're going to do in the future. So I like to hear that you like did a huge amount of work at the beginning. I think that's phenomenal. And I think that it lets you be more strategic in the future when you decide to sort of scale that back. I think that's incredible. And uh, so when you look at posts that are old and you want to maybe 
maybe update them. What I do is I go, I have a little bit of a process. I go through like Google Analytics. I'm going to look at which posts are maybe most visited and, and go look at them and see if there's something that either I can do to expand the post or something I can do to make it a little bit better. And uh, I'm going to go to Webmaster Tools also, take a look at maybe some of the keywords that I'm not ranking really well for and that have a lot of traffic. I'm going to go into Google Analytics and find those posts, you know, see, see what kind of traffic I'm missing, what the opportunity is. And then I'm going to go and update those posts to start making them a little bit better as well. The, the reason that you do the first ones, I mean, those are probably going to be high ranking posts, the ones that are getting a lot of traffic. Uh, you want to make sure that you're outcompeting people who are below you uh, and continue to outcompete them. And what you do with the posts where there is a lot of traffic and you want to get some of that traffic because you're ranked low is you go, you update it so that you can compete better with the people above you. Excellent. And if you do that, you'll, you'll start building traffic in amazing ways. I, we, that's a, a byproduct that we would all like to have happen. So we have got so many questions flowing in and it's so quick. First of all, Deborah Cruz also wants to know, does Joshua do SEO audits? I need to find someone. I don't, I, I don't generally advocate audits. Audits Why? are expensive. And they're, and and here's the thing about SEOs. SEOs are paid to find things that are wrong with your site. So they, I mean, I you go, you give me a website, you go to my website, you're going to find things that are problems. An SEO will tell you that if you fix these problems, then you will get trillions and billions of new people coming to your site. But the truth is that the only real solution to getting new traffic is do more content. And there's other things you can do to make it easy on Google, to make Google like you a little better, to out to to rank your website up on those maybe not, you know last four or five spots. Like maybe you'll be ranked fifth. How do you get to number one? I mean, it's hard. There's no guarantees, but if you want a better chance of being ranked high, you need to make sure your website's fast. You need to make sure that you know you're updating regularly. All these little things, those little changes that SEOs make might help with those sort of like uh, final lift. But if you want to rank, if you want to know what to rank for, you just got to make content. And that's the part that most people have trouble with. You can do your own SEO audit. There's a lot of real simple ways. We actually have a show with theory of content on how to self audit yourself, self audit yourself. And, uh, and you can go ahead and do that using Google's documentation. Google has all of the stuff that you need, everything. The little nuanced things that SEOs fight about as to whether they work or not. You can, you can go and read about that, but for the most part, you don't need to. Just get your website ready, do what Google says, and then write, make content. Uh, and I will say that one of the first things that probably an SEO expert is gonna tell you if you have an audit done is that there's a massive problem with your site and that problem is starts with an A, then there's the word, the letter D and then uh, a plural. A lot of times that is the first thing that an SEO person will say that the problem with your site is ads. Oh, I, could, I didn't get that. I thought I, I didn't realize you were literally spelling ads. I was sitting you didn't realize, did you think I had a, it was a long word. I was it was a really long like, word. No, uh, it's just, it's literally those two letters. It's the, it's, depth, it's, it's ads. <laughs> yeah, that is usually the first thing that they're going to say the problem is. Luckily, we we do a lot of things to make sure that you don't have the the slowdown from the ads and do everything we can to make that make that possible. Okay, another question. Let's see. Uh, Morgan, have you ever had an SEO audit done on your site? Have you ever had a, a private SEO no, expert? Come in and do I it? am a DIY blogger. I don't. <laughs> pay I do it myself. <laughs> Mic drop. Yeah. That's awesome. I love yeah, that. I, I listened to that episode probably three times of the podcast, and also the Mediavine RPM challenge. Google Sheet document is really helpful for specific posts, sort of auditing them. Love that, and we will share that. We just shared the theory of content. Okay, uh, Valerie Behrman says, where do I find the Google tools to audit? 
Oh, you want to know like the, the document itself? Yeah, the literal place to find those Google tools. Give me, give me one sec. Google, I'm going to search a Google SEO requirements. Maybe that, there's literally a, a document, search engine optimization starter guide. That's what you want to Google. And it's on Google's uh, webmaster tools stuff. It's, it's on their own domain. And it's just a long guide that will take you through everything you need to know about how to optimize your own stuff. You can also do a site speed audit on Google, and that'll give you a lot of tips that in general are just good for fixing your site. So we, excellent. We love the, we love those DIY uh, learning and that's going to help you then too. when you're not only learning how to optimize existing content, but then moving forward, creating content with that in mind, which you said you're now doing Morgan, when you're, you're doing purposeful writing as opposed to yeah. just writing about Taco Bell or something like that. There's another thing worth mentioning too. And it's that most, most of y'all bloggers are using WordPress and WordPress out of the box pretty much does everything. If you're looking at SEO audits, you, you're looking at, I, I tell people this all the time. You want me to do an SEO audit, I'll do it for you. I'll charge you $10,000 uh, and and what I will do is, uh, and that'll be a month. And and what I'll do is I'll, I'll sit down with you and we'll we'll come up with a content calendar and you'll hate paying it. And uh, and I won't take, I, I don't actually wanna charge you that, but you can do that yourself. I'm not as good at figuring out what you should write as you are. And a content calendar is one article a day. So you're, you'll pay me $10,000 to give you one article a day or one article a week or whatever the heck it is that you wanna do and you'll be unhappy. What you need to do is just go do co-schedule or some other thing, use an Excel spreadsheet and just start creating a calendar of content. And, and that would be the entirety of what I would do for anybody if I were doing an actual useful audit that was gonna grow your traffic. And so keep making content. We love to hear that. Okay, uh, Will Nichols has now asked this twice, so we're gonna answer him before he goes for goes for a lucky number three. Something I have always wondered, and this is a great question, we have hear people debating on this all the time. Should I be removing the date from evergreen content? I want to, but I'm ranking really well at the moment and I'm kind of terrified it will nuke my rankings. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I am of the opinion that if something is ranking, really well for something you want to be ranking for leave it alone just don't don't do anything with it and then like if it eventually someday it drops uh you might want to jump in there and do something about it but touching content scares me a little bit when it's doing really well just because google's a google's a fickle uh fickle beast does he mean the date in his urls so yeah oh in your urls don't change oh we had those taken out and we have only gone up and up since taking those out. So I, I, I don't. I, I think that correlated. If you're know. starting, if you're starting a blog, I would say don't put the URLs in. But if you've got an old blog, don't put the dates in your URLs. If you're starting out now, yeah. if you'd made that decision a long time ago, it, it doesn't hurt you. It just it's it's not as pretty. Um, and there's other problems like if you update the post uh, in your in WordPress, I don't think it keeps the old URL. I think it updates it, which is a problem. You'd, you'd have to like employ a 301 redirect on that old uh, URL uh, in order to make sure that it's pointed at the, the right one. And then all of a sudden you end up with this like spider web of redirects and stuff. I don't love that. And you know, if I say that if if you have an older blog, you're going to have some legacy stuff that maybe isn't optimal, but it's not gonna it's not gonna kill you to keep it. Uh, so Will is saying no, the date on the page. It's not the URL. He's talking about the date at the top of the page that comes out in the SERPs on Google. Oh, I mean, I was like I was saying. I mean, if it's ranking number one, uh, I generally wouldn't touch it. I I doubt the date 
will affect that ranking. I I would bet you could remove it and it wouldn't be a big problem, but I, I personally wouldn't touch it. Okay, here's another question that I'm asking for my own edification after hearing a lot of people talk about it. A lot of people that have been blogging for a long time that have a, a ton of legacy content like you just talked about, they want to delete a lot of it. They want to get rid of it, they hate it, they say it's ugly, they, they don't like it at all, they don't even blog about that anymore. What is your philosophy on deleting outdated content? I'm smiling because I know Josh is going to say, don't delete it. Why bother deleting it? My opinion, we used to do recipes along with some of the Taco Bell, not good recipes. We had like a hamburger salad that looked like you got it at a cafeteria. Oh. We had some really bad recipes, not too many, maybe like 50 total that we did delete all of them. They got messed up. We had a weird recipe plugin. They weren't ranking. They weren't helping anything. And they got messed up when the plugin, I don't know, the whole, th they all got really messed up. So we deleted all of those and I saw no adverse effects, no good effects. I threw one redirected to the homepage because there was nothing relevant to direct it to, but we're not really deleting old posts just because they were boring or because they got no clicks. I think that you could do that. I don't think it would ruin your site, but to me, that's a waste of time. And it's gonna take, even if you just spend three minutes on each one, if you delete a hundred things, that's 300 minutes, you could have written some blog posts or gone seen a movie in that time, that would have been a better use of your time. The only person that knows they're there are you, and you're the only one obsessing about it at night. Maybe your mom because your mom liked everything on Facebook when you shared it initially. Yeah. Uh, Josh, what about you? I think I've, I'm taking a less hardline approach to it than maybe I did at one time, uh, just because of, of being introduced to bloggers and uh, they're super passionate about sort of uh, their brand and they, yeah. these are labors of love for them and I get that. But I, I think that Morgan's hitting on it. I think I think generally going through old blog posts and deleting them is a waste of your time. That's, that's the, the worst thing I can say at this point. There is an opportunity cost both to the time that you could have spent creating new content and you know, if any of these old pieces had actual traffic, you're giving up the opportunity cost of uh, that traffic as well. So it's generally, I think, better to, to, to keep it. I think that you are not necessarily going to be the best judge of whether Google thinks that the content is good or bad. You know, what, what you think might be bad content, Google might not, you know, care one whit about. In fact, I, I'd almost guarantee if it's a normal length post, they probably don't care at all. So yeah, I, I, I think that Morgan's correct. And it, it sounds, it's hard for me to criticize someone like Morgan who's doing as much content as she's done. She's done so much content. It sounds like you didn't really stop uh, to delete posts as, like a lot of people use it as an excuse not to do more, right? No, I mean, no. yeah. so if, if you're using, if you're using the fact that you have this content on your site and like, I'm gonna go delete it and that'll raise my traffic, it's probably not gonna raise your traffic at all. It's probably gonna have little to no effect. It might even be negative. So for the most part, I advocate people leaving it up, but you know, if you really, really hate it, I'm not gonna chastise you if you're continually making content like Morgan has done with her blog. I mean, you got, yeah, she's killing it. Uh, what's Morgan's site? We, we referenced it earlier, Ellen Fulpin. It is Charleston Crafted. We'll share that link in the comments for you so you've got that. We, we don't want anyone to miss Morgan's site. Uh, yeah. So let's let's actually just jump in here for a second and talk about some, well, Will, I'll, I'll share what Will said. Will said, that's good to hear. He was actually talking more about a blanket removal than per post. This is going back to Will's question about removing the dates. Uh, so maybe this is something we can do. We do have a question here. I'm gonna go back through. Okay, what about backdating a new post? So it's before someone who is ranking number one. For instance, 
this is Singh Nickerson. He said, like I wrote a po post yesterday, someone ranking one published in March. Should he predate it to February? Oh, that'd be that'd be a weird thing to do. I don't think Google would uh, give you. I don't think they'd give you a boost <laughs> for that because it's first. I think a lot of SEOs will tell you that there is a boost for being first on on uh, like a keyword or something like that. There really isn't. Google has a sort of algorithmic boost for new content uh, a lot of times. Like if your content is just released today, you might see a couple keywords, you know, the Google tests it. They like give you a little boost out of a few things. And if you perform well, then, you know, when, when that boost kind of goes away, they're going to stick you somewhere in those rankings because they want to know if people like your content better than other content that's up there or not. So they'll, they'll test you out. Um, but you don't really get a boost for, you know, three, four months, uh, you know, ago. If you really want to outrank them, I'd go look at their post, see what they have in there that you don't have, maybe make some, you know, add what they don't, add what they have uh, if there's other information in there, and then maybe add a little bit more so that your post is actually more relevant, better for the searcher who's looking for that post, whatever whatever it is that uh, that, that would be. And I'm going to toss it to Morgan, and she actually referenced something before we we started hitting record. Well, before I hit record, and she she referenced a term that was um, used. It's a famous term. It's an infamous term around here at MediaVine. She said parboiling when you are trying to increase your ranking, which is is something we talk about a lot when we talk about uh, SEO and increasing rankings. Um, Morgan, talk to talk, what what did you mean when you referenced your parboiling? <laughs> well, that was a joke yes, because we were was. talking about Bob Ross Halloween costumes, and we Jenny really had the idea of a bunny Ross, correct? And a dog Ross. So I said it could be my parboiling to make a bar a lot of Bob Ross content. But the idea was that Amber on her site wrote a post about on food fanatic. Remember, on food fanatic, wrote a post about I don't know what the foods were. Let's say chicken, parboiling chicken. And it did well, she wanted to do better. So she wrote posts on parboiling carrots, parboiling potatoes, parboiling cel celery. I don't know what parboiling even is, but I know that it, she ranks for it. And what she did is I call it creating content trees. So you would have maybe a main post, how to parboil. And then you're gonna have all of these branches that come off of it for carrots and potatoes and chicken and all these things. And what you're going to do is you're going to build that authority with Google. When they think parboiling, they're going to think of you. And so that's what you're really trying to do is just content, content, content that all links together and shows that you know what you're talking about. When it comes to parboiling, you know your stuff. Yeah. Uh, can we actually share that parboiling post? And I will say, you said content trees. Is that what you said, Morgan? That's what I call it. I, yeah. I have, that is a much more attractive word and concept than parboiling. So I'm just going to throw that out there uh, as a baseline. We might want to look at content trees, and we're stealing that from you. Josh, can you talk a little bit about content trees and, and or parboiling or however you want to refer to it? Yeah, I mean, at least for us, what it comes down to is uh, when you create a post, you know, uh, you're gonna you're gonna rank for whatever it is. Like in this case, it was parboiling amber. Uh, was I think it was parboiling potatoes that she ranked for? That was the initial post. Yeah. And in looking at it, I think they looked through Webmaster Tools and discovered that there was a lot of keywords on parboiling generally, whether it was parboiling, parboiling carrots, parboiling all sorts of different kinds of veggies. And so they made, they did exactly that. They made a ton of content around parboiling so they could rank for all of those keywords, thus expanding uh, the number of people that then come to the site on a keyword that's relevant. And, and frankly, the beauty of content like that is that you've already produced sort of a, a skeleton for how you want to write those posts. You don't think that a post about parboiling carrots is gonna to have to be that much different than parboiling potatoes. Uh, I assume, I don't 
I don't really know what parboiling is either. But so uh, guys, parboiling is partially boiling an item, cooking it part of the oh, way. It's a portmanteau. That was mushy. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to comment on the the validity of parboiling or not parboiling. Sound, Morgan, that's neither here nor there. Does sound mushy. But, so uh, I, but I did something similar with on my blog uh, with barn doors. And so I actually went on Google search console and looked at what was I already ranking for. And I was ranking for how to build a barn door. And what I like to do a hot tip and search console is to sort it upside down. So look at the things that you're ranking really, I guess, low for high numbers. So in the seventies or eighties, and this is looking at my one post, my post on how to build a barn door. What was I ranking the worst for, but I was ranking and I got all these ideas. And what I did is I took those and made blog posts. How do you mount a barn door? Um, one of the best ones, there's about six or eight of them, but one of the best ones that has sent me traffic is so surprising is, can I use a barn door for my bathroom? I wrote a whole blog post about that and I get traffic every single day from people who want to know the pros and cons of putting a sliding barn door on their bathroom. And it was an easy post to write. It's just by seeing what Google already sees you ranking for create that new content. Don't try and put it in your original post to boost it up. Just create a new post. And, and there's a lot of a lot of ways that you can, I mean, like a sliding barn door in your bathroom, sliding barn door on your living room, sliding barn door. I don't know how many different types of rooms people are looking for sliding barn doors on, but that you could go that direction. You could turn it into a content tree about doors itself, how to put a barn door on your bathroom. Oh, maybe people just want it. Like, let's look at all the different kinds of doors people want to put on, how to put a barn door, how to put a regular door, how to put a varnish door. I don't know what kinds of doors there are, but you could Metal do that. Door. But all on the bathroom, like you could focus on the bathroom part of that. You do something like this with one type of post. It's a little weird from the content maker's perspective because you're feeling a little bit like you're making the same type of content again and again. So it can be a little bit monotonous and tedious. But the readers are looking for very specific things. They're looking for, you know, content about barn doors on bathrooms or regular doors on bathrooms. I don't know what other kinds of doors, <laughs> glass doors on bathrooms. A pocket door on a bathroom. Invisible um, doors invisible on, door on a bathroom. And they might, there's probably a bunch of search around all of that stuff and you'll be able to capture it and you'll have 50 or 60 posts that you, you can suddenly do with no problem. And if you're looking at like a content schedule, you start doing that, you can schedule those out a month or two months so that you're not doing the same post again and again every month and, uh, and just figure out what you can do with all the other content and kind of do exactly the same type of thing. Yeah, I also use a WordPress plugin called the Ultimate Category Excluder. And I created a category on my site that's just called Exclude. And so if you write a post, you check the box, Exclude, and you can just publish it. It does not go on your RSS feed. It does not go on your homepage. I set it so it doesn't push to Twitter or I usually push them to Twitter, actually, because nobody is on my Twitter and Facebook. Then it's out there. Google sees it, but it doesn't go on your feed. So it's not weird. If people are like, why is this chick writing so much about toilets all at once? You know, you have people who come to your site every day and they will believe me, they will comment if they think you're doing something strange, posting and, a lot of weird stuff. And Morgan, do you, do you view your, your audience as like twofold? Like you have your loyal readers mm -hmm. and then on the other side, you have people that just happen to be there from Google. Is that kind of how you view yeah, that? So you have either your Pinterest or your Google one-time visitors, and then you have your loyal readers who primarily get to us via either some people come straight to the site, but it's either through Facebook, through Instagram or through a newsletter. And do you try to convert those one-time readers into loyal readers? You try sometimes, but most of the time they don't want 
to be. Like you can try and put a freebie and another hot tip. If you have something that's doing well in SEO, you need to get in there and put a freebie in there hooked up to your newsletter and get their email address, put in big letters, follow me on Instagram. One thing that has had an amazing conversion for me for these people coming in once off Pinterest or Google is to put in big letters over or under your best picture on the top half of your post, put click here to pin this project to Pinterest. Yeah. And hyperlink that to your pin on Pinterest. You have the pin it button, but sometimes people need to be told exactly what to do. And so that's a good way to have that kind of, you're not converting them to a follower, but you're at least getting them to spread the word. So, so that in marketing is called a call to action. And I think yeah. that people who haven't worked in marketing uh, don't realize how powerful those are. I think everyone wants to think that they they wouldn't necessarily, they don't need those. But the truth is that people, a percentage of people uh, who are, who let's say like your post or maybe are just on autopilot for the day, they'll do literally the thing that they're told. Yep. So that's why a, call to, a literal call to action like that is so effective because you're getting, you're like, oh, she wants me to do this. This is the action she would like me to take. And I think it's worth taking that action on this post versus getting there kind of like, oh, I like that post. I'm going to leave now and go. And I'll to, do it later or I'll, and you, you're, you could be like me and have 55 different windows open at the same time and someone buzzes you somewhere else. So yeah, giving them that immediate call to action and also just letting them know like this is what you would like them to do. And they like you. They like the information you're sharing and they want to do the thing that is going to make you happy or do something good for you that they can do easily. So yeah. Okay. We have about 800 questions. First of all, people really love the content trees idea. They huh? think it's great. People are defending the merits of parboiling as a cooking technique. So that's also happening in the comments. And then I'm with you, and I'm with you Morgan. Sounds mushy. Mushy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Rose Ciders, our very own Rose Cider says, what if you have posts that are ranking that are not what your niche is? I have posts that are not really in my niche that are sort of quote, low hanging fruit as far as search terms and could be easily optimized to do better. Would you bother trying to create more content or update content? in this area that is not your niche since you are ranking or look for only keywords that you're more focused on your niche. Josh, um, you start or Morgan, Morgan, you start. I have a good example of this. So Fantastic. I have a post on my blog that my blog is about DIY home decor, home renovation. And I have a post that I wrote, I occasionally get a little lifestyle and I had um, an ovarian cyst and I had my ovary removed while I was pregnant. It was very dramatic, very yeah. exciting. And I wrote a blog post about it, believe it or not. And I get so many clicks from that thing. It has nothing to do with anything, but I get so many clicks and so many emails from that. I'm not going to create content trees based off that. That's not a road I want to go down. But what I did do is about a year later, I made a video. And nice. it is just a video of me kind of like, you can go find it on my blog, look it up, or just me like kind of dramatically telling this story. And I put it on there, monetize, because I make money, money, money off these Mediavine videos. I put it on YouTube. YouTube is the number two search engine, and that sends traffic. I have a lot of things in there like, if you want to see more details, click over to my blog. So I think creating a video for something like that is a really easy way to just boost it even more. But I wouldn't make more blog posts if it's something really off topic like that. Yeah. I think that, so I think there's a couple, it, content is hard. <laughs> and I think you have two, like with these niche things, there's a couple of ways to manage it. Number one, I think that you can have like niche drift where you start in this niche and you kind of slowly expand it and you, you expand it by like touching things that are maybe a foot outside of your niche. And then, you know, as that grows, you touch another thing that's another foot outside of your niche. And all of a sudden you started with a blog about uh, margaritas and now you're talking about airplanes and traveling to Bahrain. I, I would call that niche drift. 
or something like that. And then there's the kind of like, you know, off topic niche stuff that you're talking about, these sort of one off posts that I think a lot of the bloggers, uh, or a lot of people who are blogging are going to be doing like personal posts, like you're going to be talking about things that are happening in your life. You know, if, if those are, I don't know, maybe you're having a baby, and you're a food blogger, you know, you might be able to get a lot of content from there and actually do some of these content trees and expand it. But I don't know if you're just writing about the fact that, you know, like you, you had a fairly traumatic surgery, an event in your life that was probably pretty scary that a lot of people can relate to, but that really ultimately is not what your blog is about. I think that a lot of people will really enjoy that content, but doesn't necessarily, I think you're right. It doesn't necessarily need to be made into more content like that. But I do think it's worth as a blogger exploring the niche drift part of this where you're saying I'm this big because in every, there's only so much traffic. There's only so many people looking for margaritas, strawberry margaritas each day. So if you, if you start a blog about strawberry margaritas, you might want to move into pineapple margaritas. I, I don't really drink <laughs> I don't really like other kinds of margaritas it could be um, because you're drinking strawberry margaritas only. And that's yeah, that's why I started with strawberry margaritas and then the pina colada just kind of went, ah, too sweet. But you can expand that. And then all of a sudden, like two years later, you're looking at it like, you know what? We started at Strawberry Margaritas, but now we have nothing but, you know, like we do a huge drink catalog. We've got tons and tons of recipes. We do old fashions, et cetera. And then, and then all of a sudden you expand that. You're taught, you're like, you know what? We also want to incorporate travel. So then you start doing travel and trying drinks places. Now you're doing bar reviews. And uh, then from there you start reviewing the food and now you're like doing food reviews. And then you try some making some of those food, you know, review recipes at your own home. And now you're doing recipes too. So like you can do that sort of niche drift very slowly. And I think that that's a great way to actually expand your blog traffic. We've coined a number of terms here that you guys are, we, people are requesting t-shirts. We need, we need a content trace t-shirt. We need a, a niche drift t-shirt. Courtney O'Dell is saying, can you talk more about that uh, niche or niche drift, Josh. I started writing about everything and now just food and travel. I've had people really concerned. I am hurting traffic by not being niche specific. Can you weigh in on being able to have more than one niche or niche and be successful? I think Morgan hits on it quite a bit with uh, this idea of excluding blog posts from you know your homepage or your RSS. You can grow your blog on the back of Google searches kind of invite people into your community. So like I would I would say to expand on what I was saying earlier about treating your blog like two audiences, I think you can very much view one side of your audience as your community. And you're you're the shepherd of that community. You need to decide what it is. You're curating content for them and yourself yourself curating. Like you're you're curating your own content. You're looking at everything you write and you say, is this good for the community that I've built or is this other thing good for the community I've built? And then if it is, then you send it out. If it's not, maybe you hide it and bury it and then let other people on Google find it because it's good content, but it's not in the niche that the community maybe you've built has uh, has come to love. It depends on the niche also. There are things that people are very strongly communal about. I don't know, maybe that's travel, something like that. Maybe that's, uh, I don't know, going in and looking at state parks if you're like a hiking blog. And maybe they don't want to hear about recipes, but there's a possibility that you do recipes and then you build a sort of secondary community of people who are liking the recipe content. You just have two, two sort of communities that you're working in. Like it's hard to balance audiences, but if you can do it, then that means that you can grow your audience in some or your, your blog in some kind of cool ways. So is it better to then if you're if you're a hiking blog and you want to write about food, 
can you then say the best food to have before you go hiking? Can you say the best food to take with you while you're hiking to stick in your backpack? Right. Like you, you, could do, you could do GORP recipes and stuff like yeah, that. Like, like protein, protein bar recipes and uh, types of, you know, you could start out with that kind of content. So you can, I generally, I think that an audience is a little bit upset when they're shocked by something. They come to your blog for uh, hiking and they get there and they see five posts about the muffins that you made last night, which have nothing to do with hiking, but really they were just trying to find, you know, something to, you know, a, a trail to hike in Oklahoma or something like that. Like that, that for them would be a little shocking. So, you know, if you ease them into it and have posts that are a little tangential and that they're, they're not so out of the ordinary, but also something that they can relate to and would, they would, they would find use from, you can kind of start to slowly expand your niche that way. And there may only be so far you can go. You may only be able to do hiking related foods on that, on that brand. Uh, if you want to, if you want to maintain that audience, or you might say, you know what, the Google audience is so big that I'm going to kind of say goodbye to that audience and let, let those who fall off, fall off. But that's again, thinking about how people are consuming your content. You've got the two audiences that we were talking about earlier. Are these the people that are you trying to cultivate and grow your people? And maybe that has to do with what your, your end result that you're looking for. If you're looking to sell products or sell courses to these people that are your people that you're growing this group, this cultivated yeah. group, that's one goal. If you're just wanting to get as broad of traffic as you can and make ad revenue from those people, this goes to the, the name of our show. I mean, it's a theory of content. I'm not really like, it's not so much about SEO as it is about how you make it and why. Shh, shh. <laughs> well, it's not SEO, Josh. There is a lot of SEO stuff, but the reason it's important is because like you have to make some business decisions when you're making content, right? Mm -hmm. And and you might want, I have, a, I am always experimenting with things so that I can, I, I often will even do like blogs where I'll do things badly so I can see what kind of effects they have. So I have little secret projects. I have a little beanie baby blog, for example, that I, that I experiment with just to kind of see, I wanted to see like what kind of traffic would, was in that space. Just, uh, you know, try, try things out. And it's not a good blog. It's, it's, I just trying a, a few things out, just trying to experiment. I don't have a theme on it, but I've just done a little bit of, of work and I'm just, that's an experiment. But like, if I wanted to turn something into a business, I could do, I could expand it and do a whole thing about collectibles and uh, hire a designer and all sorts of things, and then build communities within it about cabbage patch kids and beanie babies and all sorts of uh, other types of little things. And you know, you look at something like all recipes, they're not a site with a real community. People just kind of end up on their site. Yeah, I'm looking for chicken noodle soup and I ended up here. I'm not like following every single day to find out. So they make a ton of money. So mm -hmm. there's a, there are good reasons to do sites without community, sort of a, a, an eye toward the community and with just kind of like tons and tons of random garbage content. There's a, a really good like business case for someone to do that. That's probably not why you're writing. That's probably not why you're here and doing it. So if you think for a second we're glossing over the, the the fact that you just dropped the Beanie Baby blog on us, we're not. And the, the people are commenting and they're freaking out and they're thinking, I'm just going to let that move forward and I'm not going to just let that go. So do you have a favorite Beanie? Do you own Beanie Babies, I think? Oh, yeah, cool. yeah. I have, I, have a, I have a lot of Beanie Babies. I, uh, I'm a collector. I have. You want to buy some Beanie Babies? Because I have a lot, too. Yeah, I have a ton, too, as well. I had a Beanie Baby house. They're probably not great. Beanie Babies, though. Mine? What does that mean? Oh my gosh, that's so yeah. great. Like, well, most people started collecting Beanie Babies after they were popular. You know, they don't have any of the rare ones. 
So I mean, is that what makes a beanie baby greater? Is it love, Josh? Like, I feel like you're making value judgments on people's beanie baby love. Love makes them less valuable because they were hugged and used. Wow. They got tag protectors. All my beanie babies are in acrylic cases with tag Ooh. protectors. So, okay. Okay. So, so yeah, there's a lot. So, so you were a beanie baby. There's a beanie baby investor and then there's a beanie baby enthusiast, a lover, just a real like person. I love these beanie babies yeah. and you're doing it for like their, their value. You don't want to depreciate the beanie baby. Well, no, I mean like they have no value anymore. That's <laughs> That's the that's the Did big it not? Have you examined? Have you looked into this? I mean, I, I know how much they're 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 worth. Uh, you can get you know the old ones. This is the thing about collecting; it's all nostalgia um, for me because like when you're a kid, you're looking at it, you're like, okay, uh, an Inky, the the octopus without a mouth and who's gray and has a first edition tag, oh, is wow. worth is worth you know four thousand dollars. And then you're an adult and and the, the no one cares anymore. And now you're like, I can get that thing for like eighty bucks. I'm gonna do that. You know, 80 bucks still seems like a lot. That's some money that can give mine away. Yeah. It's well, you could put them on a street in a box and see if uh, most, yeah. most of the ones that you probably have are worth like $2 on average. Like oh, harsh. I'm yeah. sorry. Amy Sugarman just asked if someone could redirect me. <laughs> Ouch. Ow. All right. Harsh. Okay. Well, we're gonna go back to the, uh, we're gonna go back to the questions here. Amy Sugarman. <laughs> <laughs> who is on my poop list. Real um, so let's talk about here. Uh, Don Monroe wants to, let's talk about photos for a second. Don Monroe wants to know how she should be labeling photos. Is it necessary to fill in the title, alt text and description for each photo in the post? Should this be the same for each field? Let's talk to Josh and then we'll go to Morgan on that. Yeah. I mean, like you should definitely do uh, the alt and, uh, description stuff. I mean, like it's, it's for hearing impaired originally, but it's also how Google knows what's in the image. It's, it's how to turn your text, your, your image into text and sure they're doing a lot of work on trying to figure out what's in images by just like processing them. You know, algorithms are really dumb. So it's just better make it easy. The, the whole thing about like all of this is making it easy for, for Google. That's why you make your site speed fast. That's why you make your pages accessible. That's why you care about a nav bar that's coded correctly. It's just to make it easier so that Google doesn't have to do things like go to a website and say, hey, let's decipher what this person meant to do with this really, really crappy layout. You know, that's, but with that's, all things that we encourage you to do, that also makes it better for your audience. The user 100%. experience, you're making it easier. It's not just Google. Like, I, you don't want to just think that you're building a site for your bot, the robot. Well, I, I, building, I agree. Yeah. I, I'm just saying, like, if you're like the, the reason SEOs do that stuff and the reason they affect ranking slightly is because, because it just makes it easier for Google. Google, incidentally, thinks that those things are better for your user, and they seem to be. Users really like them. Yeah. But, you know, when you're looking at SEO and people are concerned with it, generally they're just concerned with the ranking, right? And they're they're trying things out. But, like, you know, these things do actually help your audience as well. Yeah, all I'll say on that is that I encourage you to go in Google Search Console and you can filter to see images that you're ranking for. And nice. that will give you some proof of where you titled things and they're ranking for those words. I have a lot of people that come to my blog every day from an image search. So depending on your niche, that might be how people are, just think about how users are using Google. They might be looking for pictures of fall mantles and there they see my fall mantle and that's how they get to my site. So it's definitely worth your time to fill those fields in. I'm gonna jump in here quickly and say, uh, so so Josh, those are for um, those those are for visually impaired, not hearing impaired. 
Um, I think. Yeah, Lisa, yes. Yeah, you're right. right. And it's fine. Lisa Sharp. Lisa Sharp has been just letting keeping us on track. She's keeping us all honest. And Lisa is absolutely right. Which she just reiterated what Morgan said, which is we all have more visually impaired readers than you think. And it makes a real difference to use alt text correctly and right. help them out. And, and here's the thing, like alt text, honestly, like you're putting in a, a one sentence description of the thing that you have in an image. Like, come on. Like you, you just wrote a whole blog post. You can spend the three and a half seconds to do that. That's not hard. That's 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 free content. And often images rank really well and get like traffic. Depends on what the image is. So Morgan, I'm gonna jump in. I want to do this. We're running out of time, which is not surprising, and it is all my fault because I derailed us uh, with the Beanie Baby talk. But I want to I want to get back into where are the best places to get other than Google itself, which we have linked to, and Josh mentioned. Where are the best resources for SEO knowledge for all the things that you're talking about here? Where are the best places to go get knowledge on this? Morgan, what what can, where can you direct people to? To get SEO knowledge, I mean, just reading on, listening to the Theory of Content podcast. I also listen to the Authority Hacker podcast. It's a little bit more, they're targeting people who have affiliate sites and run traffic that way and they have French accents, so you have to kind of be okay with that. But it's a lot of good information, and it's a lot more regular than the theory of content. Oh, <laughs> those weekly podcasts. Ouch. Oh, Sick. burn. But then the best thing you can do is just get in and try. Don't, you can read and read and read and read, but you're not gonna learn until you try. Download Google Search Console and learn at least the base level of your site. See where you are, what's ranking, what pages are ranking, play with all the different fields. You can't break anything in there, y'all. It's okay, like don't be afraid to click buttons and get comfortable with where you stand because you'll never know how you're growing or what's going up and down if you don't know where you start. Also, Morgan, I was really, I was trying really hard to give you a good segue to your own course and you oh. just completely <laughs> went over your own course. So let's, let's bring up your course, which would be very helpful for people. So my course is all about keyword research. It is, it came from the fact that I just figured out that I needed to start writing posts that people actually want to read. So you might be doing a project, making a recipe, going on a trip, whatever you do, you're just writing blog posts about it. And I'm so happy for you. That's so great. And yeah. if you're just writing a blog for your mom and for your friends from college and for people to keep up with you, then you do you. But if you're here, I bet you want to make money. And the way to make money is to get eyeballs. And to get those eyeballs, you have to have people that are looking for what you've got. And so what you need to do is strategically write content that people are actually searching for. So my course shows <laughs> my course shows you how to find keywords. <laughs> Y'all are sweet. But um, it's just something I'm in a mastermind and we take turns going Facebook Live with each other. And I showed how I did keyword research. And they all were just like, oh, you know, it's mostly free tools. I talk about SEM Rush, but it's totally not necessary. Um, I talk about Google Search Console keywords everywhere, the keyword shitter, um, Pinterest and YouTube, all things that you can use for free to do keyword research to find not only your blog post title, but also your subheadings, the layout of your blog post. And I love putting FAQs at the end of a blog post that are just questions people also ask. And so in my course, I show it is a screen recording exactly where I click. I do a sample research on each of those tools exactly click by click what you do. It's not my face at all. It's just clicking. And then I also talk about where you can put those keywords once you find them. 
So we are about to drop all of those links in there. Uh, someone is asking, what is the, is this pre-recorded? No, Ethan, it is not. <laughs> yes, it is, it, Ethan. <laughs> Josh, we, we, we were predicting that you would say this. So yeah, we... <laughs> that's how mind-blowing our ability is. Amazing. We predicted that you would say. Yeah, I also live wanted to call myself out on my Beanie Baby um, fixation. So I wanted all those things to happen. So what is the Marissa Moore wants to know, what is the name of the podcast that Morgan mentioned? It is Authority Hackers. We are also going to share the links for Morgan's uh, keyword research tool. Josh, can you name some of your favorite educational resources? Honestly, for most bloggers, I think that the Google Starter Guide, the SEO Starter Guide is the best thing that you can possibly start with. And really, as far and as deep as you need to go, if you wanna go deeper, um, that's why we have theory of content. We're trying to like, we touch, you know, a lot of the source, the, the, the sort of surface stuff. I don't think most of y'all need to know industry news and the day-to-day -day weather reports of like how many like rankings are going up and down today. I think that stuff can get you really, really distracted from your job. And, uh, Don Jackson just noted in, uh, in, in the live comments. He did, I was about to call that out. Let me, let me, let me say, the, Morgan uh, just threw some shade at Theory of Content about how, how often we publish. Well, Morgan, uh, we're currently on hiatus. And the yeah. reason is, is because we're bringing in Don to start producing the show and actually give us uh, the ability to do weekly, regular content because it's fine to... i just think it's ironic that the guy that says content 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 can't seem to get out any content yeah well you know it's it, it, the, oh, the beauty it's difficult because uh theory of content to date has sort of been this like labor of love that amber and i do we do it to help the community and uh, we really love to do it but the problem is that it is secondary to our day jobs and and yeah. uh we like i was saying to them earlier that we you know i'm i'm the audio engineer which is why the audio is so terrible sometimes and uh and and we it's would really like oh, it's so so sharp. yeah please <laughs> just you're busy with your beady babies yeah <laughs> I will say that if you, okay, one, I'm one, I'm coming in because I can. One, Morgan, I love that you're shading uh, Josh, who is now trying to be like all like hurt and like, guys, it's a labor so of love hurt. and blah, 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 blah. It no, is. Josh throws shade all the time. So you are totally justified in throwing the shade that you're throwing right now. I love it. That's true. Beyond that, yes, they are going to be producing more episodes. And the only reason that people are on your backs is because they love it and it's a great resource. And that's the only reason people are saying that. So, and, and we love to do it. So we, that's the thing we, we figured out, we kind of sat down figured out what it is that our uh, sort of barriers to being able to do weekly podcasts are. And so we're removing the stuff we don't like to do, removing some of that work. And, uh, and we will be coming up with regular stuff and, uh, and actually, you know, doing some ads I imagine are probably going to add, uh, get added to it. So, I mean, the, the, the podcast is ironic in more than one way in that the guy that says do content doesn't do content. And the girl that works for an ad network has no ads on the content that she's making. So uh, we're, we are fixing both ironies at once and uh, we are going to come up with a new improved, but still the same theory of content very soon. Same great information, <laughs> less horrible yes. sound shoes. Yeah, less horrible yeah. side. Less horrible I will side be your market exactly. for you. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, so just and then, and then in addition to all of that, we do have uh, we do have a wonderful. So Don Jackson, who is with the Raven Media Group, who happens to produce podcasts, also did a uh, teal talk with me talking about producing podcasts. So we can share that information as well. 
and we can have that uh, available to you guys that are wanting to start podcasts. So we're solving so many issues. Uh, Deborah, Deborah Cruz is saying she needs Morgan's course link. I believe we've already shared it. Let's share it one more time. We want everyone to have access to her amazing resources. What else we do have? Uh, everyone is listening. Oh, wait, <laughs> Will Nichols said he figured it out. Since Josh is a spirit, he clearly has all the beanie babies for some variety in the bodies he takes over. Yes. We're getting existential on this. We've one hour. We've packed a lot into this hour, you guys. Actually, live in the beanie babies at night. Habits the Beanie Babies. Um, this is creepy. Uh, Pelly, uh, Kelly Pugliano just said her site ain't broke, uh, which right. is Josh's tagline. Uh, we love that. We're going to share all of these things in here. Don said thanks for the plug. Carmen just shared the teachable resource for the Simple SEO Keyword Research course by Morgan. You guys, this has been a little bit scattered, and I apologize for that, but there's been so much amazing information shared in here. I am so appreciative of you guys coming and, and spending time with us here. Thank you so much. You guys are both geniuses. I knew I knew that you both were, but you proved it to me. You've also you're proven sweet. you're a little bit freaky, Josh, which I also already knew, but you gave me absolute evidence of that. Today. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you know, we have, we have our uh, hobbies, all of us. We all have hobbies, and Rather than creating, <laughs> as far as hobbies go, mine's very innocent. Yes, creating a website about Beanie Babies. I'll just try it. Out. There's a lot of vulnerability that you you allowed us all to see that side of you. Thank you, Morgan. Thank you so much, and thank so you for thank you. you guys are awesome. And will you come back sometime, both of you together? Only if know. Morgan's on. Mm -hmm. Bring That's the Beanie Babies. That's what I just said, Josh. Yeah. If you'll listen. Yeah. I said, I said, both of you come back together. Would you both come back together? Sorry, what? Hey, I'm going to the Mediavine conference in November. Should I bring my Beanie Babies? Yeah. Trade? <laughs> are, uh, those, are those for carry-ons? Can you bring Beanie Babies as carry-ons? They might, they might confiscate them because they're so valuable. <laughs> they're gonna, I would, you might want to get some armored guards to walk with you through the airport to make sure that you aren't attacked. It, it, it is it is funny i talk to younger people nowadays and like they're these things these little stuffed animals are complete anomalies to them they have no idea what they are and they don't know what it was like to live through that craze it was very funny uh back in the day when i watched people punch each other in the alleys to get spooky the ghost <laughs> that uh, is i I'm gonna I'm gonna doubt you that you were watching people. It's like West Side Story. We could do a Broadway musical about people rival that's gangs actually a fighting. Good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's true. Uh, Will Nichols wants to know how much you charge for Beanie Baby appraisal. You know what, Will? I'll do it for free. Just send me the pictures, and I'll tell you that they're worth nothing. <laughs> Unless they're worth something, then I'll tell you they're probably worth a little bit. But I, I'm pretty good at it. I would actually not be bad at that. Be Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Okay, guys, we actually we can't move on. We got to go, but we've shared all of your links. We're we know that we're going to have more and more theory of content coming. We've got Morgan's course. We've given you a ton of resources. My guests are amazing. Thank you so much. What am what am I talking about next week? I'm I'm verklempt because of all of this beanie baby talk. <laughs> They're all about beanies. <laughs> I know. I know. People are going crazy about this beanie baby thing. And Amy Sugarman was like, "Move on," and the, the viewers were like, "No." talk about Beanie Babies. The next summer of live, you guys, is going to be awesome as well. I know it's going to be hard to top the, this week, but next week we are talking about unlocking your RPM. Uh, mm -hmm. It is part two. Last summer I had Courtney O'Dell and uh, Amy Sugarman on to talk about their RP with the ways that they increase their RPM. Next week I have Dorothy from Crazy for Crust blog, and I also have Lance Cothern of Money Manifesto 
two crazy uh, RPM experts. We're really excited about it. I, I believe that's next week. Um, I'm going to check on that. They are still talking about Beanie Babies, guys. That's not going to stop. <laughs> so, so I'm going to have to close this conversation down. I sure appreciate you guys coming. Thank you, Morgan. You're amazing. Yeah, thank you. And thank you, Josh. You're all right. All right. <laughs> Love you thank all. You. Love you guys. Thank you so much Bye. for listening. Bye, you guys. Bye. On Air is brought to you by Mediavine. If you're creating amazing and original content, we are here to help. From ad management with maximum earnings and 24-7 support to cutting-edge WordPress plugins, our team has your back. Want free tips in your inbox? Subscribe to our newsletter at mediavine.com slash subscribe. If you're a Mediavine On Air fan, and why wouldn't you be, please give us your five-star rating love and subscribe wherever you're listening.